me a beer and grab him a coke We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes And please don't mix it up cause he done sobered up Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I am your host, Brennan Tassif. If you are new to the show, quick rundown. Um, I am sober now, but I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. You know, get drunk, share stories, reminisce about the old days, be it drugs or drinking or getting in trouble or relationships. And even though I am now sober, that's still one of my favorite things to do is hang out with people and just kind of reminisce about the old days. Um, normally, I will have a guest. Every once in a while, I will do a solo show, but I will normally have a guest. And today is no exception. I am joined by a very funny, sweet boy um, who runs one of the shows here in Jacksonville and also is a comedian, uh, podcaster, formerly and going to be again, Mr. CJ Couch. What's up, man? Thank you, Brennan. Uh, hello, audience. Um, yes, my name is CJ Couch. You can follow me on Instagram at CJ Couch Talk. I did have a podcast once upon a time for a couple years. It did good. Uh, it's called Couch Talk. There you go. I'm going to bring it back. I fell into a depression hole, a little uh, attempted suicide, a little disappearance. As act. things happen. It's like classic. Classic us. Classic we'll get story. Into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like you said, uh, it's CJ Couch Talk on social media. Um, you do run, started and continue to run the CBD Cafe, yeah, uh, Mike, on <laughs> Thursdays night, Thursday night now at eight o'clock here it's in fun. Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, yeah, a lot of fun. We um are the audience, uh, people who have been keeping up with the the show from the beginning are very aware of it because we used to talk mad shit about it it doesn't surprise me at all and i don't blame you at all and we're like who the fuck is this guy what is this like is uh, uh, what is happening it's warranted you know i started it um yeah get into it because experience yeah because you you weren't even doing stand-up at the time right? zero stand-up okay. no my first time was actually at cbd on a saturday before what was supposed to be my open mic first night which did happen but it was without me yeah um i was in the throes of Really, fentanyl addiction. People say heroin, but I mean, it's 2021. Yeah. Now, it's 2021 now. And for the past few years, I mean, people just unfortunately are doing fentanyl. That's why so many people are dying. Yeah. That's uh, uh, episode, I think, six of this podcast. One of my very close friends died from a fentanyl overdose. So we uh, got we got into that. Um, but yeah. So you missed your first show. Yeah. So I, I get it. You know, it's, it's really easy to talk shit about it. It's in a place that did it. There's not a, a traditional stage, if you will. Yeah. The setup was Or terrible. stage at all. Right. You know, <laughs> just a place to stand in front of a drum set. And I went in there. I had been wanting to do comedy forever. I We listened to all the same podcasts. Yeah. Um, I'd been doing podcasts. I actually had Tyrone Thornhill on. Yeah, yeah. I and God bless him. He's awesome. I'm not in any way degrading. But I was like, wow, like he's a comic. And I had so much fun. I feel like I kept up with him comedically, like just riffing with each other. Yeah. And I've always felt funny in my way. So I was like, all right, I really want to do this. I'm driving down Old St. Augustine and I see an open mic being advertised. And I didn't even know what the CBD cafe was. I pull in, go in there. I see Sienna and I'm like, hey, I obviously don't assume that she owns the place. Yeah, it's, it's very. It's yeah, very she's a 20 year old attractive girl in like shorts and a tank top. Yeah, you're like, you just, what's up? Yeah, I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? So I fucking. Same thing when I walked What's up, dude? What's up, dude? What's up, dude? 
So, which worked. No, but I walked in. <laughs> it did <laughs> it work worked. for you. No, but I walked in and um, I was wearing my paint clothes. You know, I just got off work. And I was like, hey, I see you have a mic on Saturdays. <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I went with it right off the bat. And I knew Dean and Zach yeah. um, from high school. So I knew that I could get them out. And then I knew that they would help spread the word. So I was just like, I could bring a bunch of comics out here. I'd love to start a mic. And uh, she's like, yeah, sure. You know? Just like, like that. And boom, the mic yeah, was born. So that was probably on Thursday. And Saturday I go do my first set. I bombed so hard. Yeah. And then... That's went- always... I don't mean to cut you off, but that's always weird because I've had a lot of different people on here, but comedians, actors, musicians, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, was, I always like to start off the conversation with talking about how they got into whatever they're into. And it's so up and down. Mm. There are people who are like, man, murdered. First set, murdered. And then there's other people like you're saying, like, first set, bombed. Which is so weird to me because a lot of times it's stuff you've been thinking about. And you're like, oh, I think this is funny. Mm. You've been thinking about it for years, maybe. And then you finally go out and do it. And a lot of times, like, you know, we see it. I've been thinking for years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we see it as, like, you know... Like, I've been doing comedy on and off for a long time. Marcus has been doing it consistently now for 13 years. Brian Ziola's been doing it for a dec- over a decade. Chris Buck. So we see it all the time where people come in and sometimes they crush. And you're like, all right, like we'll see you next week. <laughs> and then they come in and do the same set the next week. And you're like, okay, now you got to gotta start. You've mm-hmm. been writing that five minutes for 10 years. Like, now you got to keep going. That's brutal. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear, though, that you, you went up and you just ate it. Well, I think having a podcast in a way was a uh, it was a disadvantage in the way that I approached it because I had done solo episodes, yeah, and I felt so confident in my ability, yep, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. be funny on the spot with no notes, and I'm just gonna destroy is what I truly believed, yeah. So and you my, just went up there. My roommate canvas? that I live with now, Nelson and okay. Gabby, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, They've yeah. been there um, at a few shows. They fucking came with me. Nelson was like, I'm going to do a joke. I punched his joke up for him, and he destroyed with it. <laughs> Swear to God, dude. Seriously. Classic. So, so it was like. And then you went up just thinking you were going to riff. Yeah. And- well, it was, a, it was a traditional open mic in the sense that there was people doing music, poetry, and all that. Okay. So it was music, and then this kid, Dale, came up who, rest in peace, um, he's like a, a legend at CBD. He ended up passing away okay. um, from an overdose. But he went up there, and. He is so was so talented and amazing, but it's singing, you know, sad, depressing songs. Yeah, I loved it. Oh yeah, and I'd known him before that, and he'd been a. He, I used to do a thing called Drug Dealer Stories on a uh, Couch Talk on my solo episodes, and for any couchies listening, he's the dude that like was shot his gun off and was robbing people and doing all this stuff so he made a huge change in his life yeah but unfortunately stuck with the drugs so he became a way better person and then stuck with the drugs was performing at cbd doing great but when he performed it's sad songs so people are like what the hell yeah, you know? yeah. some people will not leave but go outside and smoke a cigarette when he's done so it's a full room and then about a half room now nelson goes up there does great with his one joke it's maybe 45 seconds <laughs> and then Brings me up. Oh, hope. man. Yeah. So, so I go up sad there. song, one joke, then you. And I'm like, I'm going to crush. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever heard, but I tried to do a bit before about, like, when I first got an iPhone 3GS, I was 16. They just came out. And within 45 minutes of owning it, I was already 
busted my first nut to porn. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was. Yeah. In, that's all I do with this thing. It's just and, watch porn on. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I don't use my MacBook for it. It's just my phone. And I tried to do this dumb concept of like, when are we just gonna start physically fucking our phones? It's stupid. It's dumb. It is not good. You got to hey, you got to swing, man. You got to take swings to make some connections, you know. But I had talked about it on my podcast this one time. <laughs> when are we gonna start fucking our phones? But it's like, but it's like one of these things where on a podcast when you can talk about it, something like that for so long, yeah, and just bullshit. When you go back and forth, yeah, because I've got stories that I've told on the podcast, and I've had people be like, "Hey, man, you should tell that story on stage." I'm like. It was an hour and 30 minute yeah, podcast. Like, it took up yeah. 20 minutes. Like what stage are you talking about? Exactly, dude. So like I tried to just basically I said it just like how I said it on here. It wasn't funny. Like I knew I didn't have that much time. I had no frame of reference for how long five minutes was. You know, nobody ever does when they first get up. No there. idea. No inner clock. So I just went and then I just, I could feel the bomb. Like I said it. I was like, you know, like where's the you pause for laughter? Yeah. A few people chuckled and I just like looked around. And I went on to my next little thing. I don't even remember what it was. It was terrible. And I just, I ate shit, dude. It was so bad. Damn. But it it wasn't, it was my first bomb, but it wasn't my first bomb feeling. Like, I was perplexed by it. Yeah. I wasn't uh, that terrible feeling you get with a bomb. Yeah, yeah. Which I then ended up feeling very shortly after yeah you you well and the i think the biggest difference is if you go up there and you think like i got a couple of things i want to talk about but i'm just going to kind of riff and then you bomb it's like okay like i i get that like it makes sense in your head mm. the worst i can only speak for myself but the worst bombs for me are when i think of something and i because you see i get the whiteboard in here and everything and then i i start writing it down and i'm like i got it like I got like this is my right. Dane Cook heist story. Like mm-hmm. this is my you know Tom Segura completely normal bit. Like this is it. Like I got it. Yeah, you figured it out. I I figured it out. <laughs> like I'm I'm thinking of these tags. I'm bouncing it off Savannah. Like she's throwing in tags. I'm like we are cooking. It baby. never stops. And the then, creative process just never stops with that. But then you go up and you try it for the first time, mm-hmm. and then it bombs. <laughs> crickets. That's when I'm like, well, I'm not gonna stop doing comedy. So I guess I just have to like kill myself like i don't know what yeah, to do you yeah, know what i mean yeah and like it's i'd rather kill myself than quit comedy yeah but it's <laughs> it's like obviously i'm not very good at comedy <laughs> yeah dude but it's like that that feeling and i don't mean to make light of suicide obviously i have to say that but we've both attempted it yeah dude. failed miserably at it just yeah. like we do with everything else in our lives so um but yeah like that's that feeling is way that kind of bomb is way worse than like going up and be like oh, I'm just going to riff and then yes. you and then yeah but like you said you felt that shortly after you know me and you have a very similar thing I feel with the crowd in that things that we in our head when we're creating this shit are so absurd how could you take this serious yeah we say it and people think we're serious yeah well cuz I mean some of your material, especially your newer stuff that I've heard, is super dark, but I think it's hilarious. Oh, man. I'm right there with you. I think I'm a genius. Yeah. yeah. But no, but like some of that <laughs> I stuff. I suck, dude. Like the Statue of Limitations on Promises. That hit good. That, like, and like we talked about before, like you had a lot of this, because you, like me, have a very dark and twisted sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so, and some of your stuff, and you'll be the first to admit, just like some of my stuff is, it's a little 
like catchier like it's a little like hey i want to do something everyone can laugh at because yeah dude you get tired of fucking doing dark material and it bombing all the time to well-adjusted crowds yeah people looking at me like what the fuck is wrong with yeah so so you do a little bit lighter stuff but Mm -hmm. then i remember a couple weeks ago when you brought out some of the the darker material i i told you right i remember i walked up to you right after and i was like hey man you got to shorten it, but that stuff's awesome. And then literally, what was it, the next week or two weeks yeah, later? It was the next you did week. the same material, but you had shortened it, made it tighter, added tags. And I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the room, but I was fucking dying. Like, it was so funny. So I actually, that was my my second time ever doing comedy. I did that bit. Okay. So I missed that first mic that was supposed to be the start. Yeah. Apparently, it was a great turnout. Everyone had fun. And then there's the next mic on that following Saturday because she used to do an open mic every Saturday. Yeah. So I do the first Saturday, eat shit. And then I've been listening to Kill Tony forever and just comedy podcasts in general. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it needs to be who you are. And me and my dad were in a terrible place at that time. We're doing great now. But it was just this thing of like that. It was, it just was the, it wasn't the first thing I thought of, but I knew that if I told a story that would like draw people in like that, I could fill out five minutes yeah. by telling the story and then having one punchline at the end, basically. Yeah. And now I've made it way more. But like, I, that was the, my first feeling ever of feeling great on stage when I, I told that. Because I watched people lean in and then I said the statutes of limitations on Dead Mom Promises thing and it just like crushed. Yeah. And dude, those rooms, especially on Saturdays, Saturday, we turned comedy night into their prominent night. But it used to be the open mic. Okay. It'd be so packed that there was not room inside. So people would be outside. I'm talking 50, 55, 60 people in that little place, dude. Yeah. It's fucking slammed. And it it crushed. It felt so good, dude. Yeah. And that's and, that's the big thing, too. And for everyone listening, they're kind of like, well, we just keep saying dark joke. And then you threw in the tag. It's it's a story you tell about what happened the, the last time you hung out with your mother yeah, before she my, passed away. So my mom had cancer. Um, let me take a sip of this water. My mom initially had cancer when I was a little kid, and she got it back, and we had hospice at the house for like over a month, maybe close to two months, which is absurd. That's so long, dude. Yeah, because like, hospice is normally three days week. to a week. Yeah, yeah, tops. And my mom just kept holding on, and... She deteriorated. We were at the house. So she's deteriorating and it's just she's now like essentially in a coma and she'd been that way. And the hospice nurse was like, hey, you just need to tell your mom for her own sake because she's holding on for you. Yeah. You need to tell her that she can let go and that you're okay and all that stuff. So I just talk about that and how I went in there and what happened. And that's true, dude. Like it was... My dad, like, he did it first because I was out at Panera Bread with my girlfriend. So, like, it used to be this thing where my mom, she started, like, you know, losing her mind from the cancer, the drugs, and everything of medicating her. Yeah. That she didn't trust the hospice nurse to give her medicine. And I was already working for my dad every day. So, I had to stop working. And while he was gone. While he's working, you're taking care of my mom. I'm taking care of my mom with the hospice nurse, giving her medicine and stuff. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, as a drug addict, taking that medicine. Yeah. You know, and. Oh, just real quick for the listeners. We were not kidding earlier. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and CJ is a recovering. Yeah. I mean, addict. I just relapsed like recently. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm good right I don't, now. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it. I, I didn't want anybody to lose sight of that. I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but the drug thing makes a lot more sense when you say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Like I'm a genuine 
uh, and that's like when I was, I was 20 at that time. I just turned 20. Uh, my mom passed September 16th. I turned 20 August 13th. Yeah. So like I just turned 20, but I was already doing pills and, uh, specifically at that time, Xanax bars was my thing. Okay. Just blackout, forget anything happened. Yeah. But I'm with my mom every day. So like I, I'd wake up at seven and give her her medicine, watch TV with her. We were watching a million dollar listing Bravo shows. But we're watching the same episodes over. And I remember, over. Yeah, you did talk about so that, yeah. it. Just and you were like, I bet they, I bet they get this house for this much. Yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. How yeah. did you know Acting that? Like I'm a prophet. You yeah. know, I'm, I see. I forgot about that the last time I've told the story. I need yeah. to bring that back. But basically, just hanging out with my mom, and it sucked. But I was getting to be with her, you yeah. know. And I was just holding her hand, laying with her all the time. And then my dad would come home. So then my girlfriend, who would either already be over, she would come over. We would go and like get food. And I, that's when I would like smoke weed. You yeah, know, that was your little break. Yeah, 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 a break from that uh, reality. So I come back, and I didn't know this was gonna happen. I come back. I just smoked a blunt, and my dad's crying. He's sitting in the living room, and he's just head in his hands. And the hospice nurse has got his hands, her hands on his back, and she, you know he's like, "It sucks." She tells me, "You gotta say about your mom." He's like, "It sucks because she cannot respond. Like she's not gonna give you anything." Yeah, and like. On everything, dude. She like squeezed my hand. She told me all that shit. Yeah, yeah. That you and it was about like joke. fucking heavy, dude. And um, it was the best worst moment of my life. Yeah, because it truly like I was like, this is a real connection mm-hmm. that like transcends what I thought was possible. That's awesome. In that consciousness, you had that. yeah. I mean, it sucks how you got there. And then she awesome died in my arms the next day. Yeah, like so. It they were right. I wonder what the statue looks Yeah. <laughs> that joke. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'll tell it. I don't care. No, like, no, no. Don't burn it. Don't yeah. burn it. Um, I Because I think it's I think it's by far like head and It's by far my best shit, yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like there's so many people we see, and I talk about this all the time on the show because I'm the most pretentious asshole when it comes to writing comedy because I'm always like, no, I want to talk about real stuff, like stuff I've mm. been through. Like, like I'm doing this whole bit. I'm trying to work out about being bullied, and it's like, because the way I look now, it's like, no, you weren't like Yeah, you look like the bully. I yeah. Well I, I joke all the time, like I look like white privilege personified. Like if you could draw if you could paint a picture of what mm-hmm. that would look like, it would be me. Yeah. Um so and I totally understand that's but it's so difficult not difficult, but it's a challenge, which I love, but it's a challenge to try and like relay to the audience, like, no, like I wasn't, it wasn't always yeah. like, like I used to get the shit kicked out of me in high yeah, school. Dude. Like <laughs> I've got these scars and I talk about it all the time. Like I've got these scars all over my body, these self-induced masochist scars because I used to hate myself. Like I mm. used to, like I still have bad anxiety, but it used to be so bad that I would have to hurt myself to distract my brain mm. from feeling like I was going to throw up because I was so nervous about everything. And so trying to relay that to the audience in a, a short amount of time is very difficult, but I like. I like to try and work on material that does that because then everyone it's almost like, hey, we're all like making light of the situation because it's a bad situation. But all you can really do at the end of the day is laugh at it because mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah. There's no change. Yeah. And I'm saying it, which it is, yeah. To me. yeah, which is why I love the whole thing about you, you talking about your mom's death and everything, because it's like, yeah, it really sucked. But I'm not going to sit in the fucking corner and cry about it. Like, we're yeah, going to make yeah. a joke about yeah. it because that's how I deal. That's how you deal. Mm-hmm. And that's. I would much rather relay that to an audience. And if it bombs, fuck it, it bombs. 
if I'm talking to a bunch of well-adjusted people who don't understand or I say something about hurting myself or I say something about, you know, being bullet and they, they clam up because they're like, oh, you can't you can't talk about that. Well, then that's just not my audience. I say it at least every other episode. I don't need all of you. I just exactly. I just need enough of you to fill a room. Mm hmm. But it's it's so nice because you're brand new into comedy, you know, in comparison to some. Yeah, of, I just had my one year, and it was all COVID year. Yeah. But thank God for the cafe. Yeah, and we, the cafe stayed open, and we've been doing the mass shows and wiping everything down, and just making of sure course. that everything is super safe. And we've had some bigger shows there, and then some smaller shows. But it's it was funny because the the last thing I want to say about that, and then we'll get on to some of the stories, is that it's it's just. You've only been doing it a year, but I really do appreciate the fact that when you go up there, you're very much like, this is what we're doing. Like, if it bombs, it bombs. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, like, this is what I'm going to talk about. Because right. there's a lot of people, and you, you've you noticed, I mean, I've had a bunch of people um, that I've seen that started comedy during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they're very much, like, you know, doing their fun stuff, which is great. But I think you and I are such kindred spirits with, you know, my drug problems and alcoholism and then your drug issues and stuff. And we've, we've had kind of a similar path, even mm -hmm. though you're a few years younger than me, where we find humor in the same areas. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why you and I connect a lot of the stuff because I swear to God, man, some of the stuff you do, I'm looking around the room like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But I love it. I'm glad. But it's very <laughs> much, and I feel the same way, you know, about some of my material. It's very much like, see my, I'm with you. Uh, I wonder all the time, what the fuck am I doing? Because like, I, I'm with you. I only want to talk about things that are like what I've lived, yeah. you know, and I've had this like premise for so long. So when I say I was a pimp, I don't mean I was a pimp in the sense of like I'm uh, controlling these women and they're giving me all their money. But like in my last like hard run, when I said I missed the show yeah. like, at that time in 2020, around this time um, last year, I was... With this, I found this girl I went to school with, and basically, like, you know people that do shit, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, you would just, whatever. And I went and got um, crack with them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know her sister. Um, and her sister comes. And I have the car, so I'm driving. And her sister is a prostitute. Okay. Right? So, um, instantly, her sister, I can tell, like, has a crush on me and stuff. And... She just did a date, so she had all this money, and she, it was like, hey, if you drive, I'll buy you this, blah, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. So we're having all this fun. We're cracking up, you know, like we're having so much fun, and we're hanging out, hanging out, hanging out. Then I get kicked out of my place, right? Okay. So now I'm homeless, and she has. I know she has a crush on me, so I manipulate it into, like, let's kind of, you know? like Hang I, out. Yeah, 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 like I'll take this place to stay. So I'm staying with this her, her sister, and then this dude who owns the place who's 60 years old, 65 years old. He's got gout. Like, he's a regular dude. He barely smokes crack, but he does. Yeah. But he's a regular guy who's in love with her sister, the girl that I knew. Yeah. yeah. And now this girl isn't necessarily my bitch, but, like, she's doing dates constantly and... We're splitting all the money. Okay. And this is, you, you guys are staying at this guy's house? Yeah, in Mandarin. Time? Okay. Yeah, off Hartley. Damn. Yeah, right? So, you know, it just. What was that like for you when you were home? Like, 
technically like well, I, I had mean, a car so yeah so you're him. not technically homeless you right got a car. so I, I was car a car home it was nice yeah. it was great well because I, I went through the same I lived thing. in a motel yeah that's what you were telling me about because I went through the same thing not nearly as drastic but I uh I left home at 17 um and then went and then got my own place then eventually went to college but in college they had this thing called break housing where so like say it's in between the fall and spring semester and like so once the fall semester ends, you technically no longer have housing. Right, like when no one's at school. Yeah, and then yeah. you don't get housing again until the spring semester starts. So they had this thing where you could pay like an absurd amount of money for break housing so you could move into your dorm early. I never had the money to do that because it didn't line up with the student loan scheduling. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I would take out a bunch of money for loans and then I would blow it before the end of the semester. Yeah. So I every year or excuse me every semester i would either crash on a couch or i'd stay in my car because i i was not going home like yeah, you're out of your fucking mind um so it was just really weird because when you had sent me that text and you're like oh the time i was homeless and i was just like oh i guess it happens to all of us and yeah it's been a lot like to I, different degrees but i lived across the street from the cafe at old Saint the lakes and was evicted from there so i was homeless then yeah like i've been homeless been a you know, dealing heroin for eight years. So, okay. like, it's had its homeless stints, <laughs> you know. I, I've lived in motels for – but I, oh, I I would still work so I could afford the motel. Yeah. And then, like – You just didn't have enough for, like, a down uh, first, last, and security. I didn't have the credit yeah. for it. Uh, okay, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I, I would always – with this charisma, I could <laughs> – I, I could – have some old black lady that worked at the motel that I would pay. Yeah. I'd tell her, like, hey, what's going on with... I'd just be honest and tell her what's going on. And instead of paying 400 for a week, I'd pay 250 in yeah. cash for the week. And I was still making, I mean, 600 bucks a week or something. Yeah. Which is nothing. But, like, but I was still affording, you know? So I was living in this motel and just finagling things. And then, like, crack whores have always been something that... Like, they're friends. Like, I've never was sexual with these girls because it's – I don't see how you could be when you're with them literally right after they did a date. Or, like, yeah. you're, 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 you all live in a motel together, you're neighbors, you know, and you're getting high together. And then it's like, hey, I need to go have a date. And they're – I mean, prostitutes are not attractive. Like, the ones that live in motels yeah. and are essentially crack whores and whatever – are not attractive. And even when I was a drug addict, I could just get regular puss. But they were yeah. my favorite people to hang out with. Yeah. Because you can, tr like, not not saying that is me being myself, but in those moments when you're smoking crack and doing heroin, like, who the fuck do you do that with? Well, that's the thing. It's like when I, when I would drink real hard, like, because I used to always drink alone towards the end, but when I would yeah, yeah. drink real hard... Like, I wanted other alcoholics with, like, I don't want to hang out with no like, a regular person. Like, no, I want someone who's going to hang out shot for shot. We're going to, like, fucking cry about the same shit. We're going to talk about the same shit. We're going to get mad about the same shit. We're going to get as equally as fucked up. Yeah. And also, it's like comics. Like, I want to hang out with comics. Yeah, yeah. Like, once you're hanging out with comics, it's like, I want to hang out with comics. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's something, and I'm sure you've heard this in NA rooms, too, but there's something that people say all the time, like, oh, I never felt at home until I started going to meetings, mm -hmm. and I... I always hear that, and I'm always kind of like, yeah, I mean, I do feel kind of at home there, 
But I've never felt more at home than sitting in the back of a room with a bunch of comics. Yeah, I like AA more than NA. Yeah, personally. Yeah, um, me too. Just be- for the like the structure of it and everything. Like if you're gonna take it serious and do it that way, um, that's to me the way to do it. I mean, not to shit on NA, but like any experience I ever had with it, it was like really not relapse friendly, but it wasn't so frowned upon. And I don't think, like, relapsing should be frowned upon necessarily. Like, it should be. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's taken way more serious than AA. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's also, I don't want to get too far off the rails, but it's also a double-edged sword when it comes to my experience in recovery is that there's sometimes where you will build up some time and then you go out. And because it is taken so seriously in certain rooms, you don't want to go back because you feel like you've wasted all that time. And so that's that's actually, you know, it's a positive because it, it, it it's more it's more of a deterrent to relapse. But it's also a negative because once you relapse, you're like, fuck that. I'm not going back to face those people. Exactly. So it's kind of a double edged sword. But I did want to ask you about your experience with um, rehab. You did send me that you were 19 years old. Yeah, dude. So, so was this the only time you've been to rehab? The first time you went to rehab? Like, what's the what's the deal? I've only been I've been to a couple of detoxes. Yeah. Um, but rehab, so the first time I went, I used to sell like a lot of MDMA, like a lot of Molly. Okay. I knew somebody it was like really Was this in high school, after high school? Right out of high school, I was in college and then I dropped out. Um so I was like working with my dad and then going to like raves and I was just middlemanning it. Okay. And then this other kid basically I just fell into this opportunity to like become partners and like sell a lot, like traveling doing it, like you don't have a job anymore. Like this is your job. Yeah. So it wasn't like I, I was addicted to Molly, but it wasn't in the traditional sense of like, you're gonna have to detox and all this stuff. And then like, remember the, the craze of bath salts? Oh yeah. I remember so what that. It, what the one dude ate that other dude's face. But what it really was, was the reason it became a craze in the public zeitgeist was we, so somebody who makes it the Heisenberg of it. Right. Mm hmm genius out of unf chemistry degree let's say that this person goes to jail now it's like okay where do we get this product that we have such a demand for yeah you can get it from asia so instead of it being mdma it's not illegal yet it's mdmca or whatever fucking chemical combination that's close yeah and it when someone gets caught with it it gets classified as a bath salt so at the same time Oh, so it's That's, not really a bath. It's, it's not necessarily a bath salt at all. It's just okay. a, an uncategorized drug that has not yet been chemically. Oh, elite. that's yeah. interesting. So the rise of this is the rise of bath salts. Yeah. It's all this stuff coming in from Asia that's not real Molly. Yeah. And that's why now. So it's not a real drug, but it's also not something that's super It's a healthy. real drug, but it's not a chemically classified. Like, yeah, okay. It, yeah, it hasn't yeah. been. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so basically, it makes you feel the same, but. When I go to rehab, so basically I'm just rolling nonstop and I'm going to all these raves and I'm making a bunch of money and everything's fine. But like, so how old were you at this time? I was 18 and then I turned 19, maybe my first week of rehab. Okay. So you're going to raves, you're partying, you're selling the bath salts. Yeah, dude. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just get to this point where I'm like really burnt out and I'm at a party one night off of South Side like after it's like four in the morning. We'd already gone to a rave and it's actually uh, next to Justice Pub where Myth is. OK. It used to be TSI, Crunchy Sundays. So we'd always go there and it was it was a really fun time. So I'm talking to this kid and I'm like, you know, I just 
I know this is weird. I think I want to go to rehab, just like reset. And he goes, yeah, that dude, that'd be like a really good idea. And I tell everyone else and they tell me I'm crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? Go. My friend uh, Logan, I've been friends with him since middle school. We're really close. I respect his opinion. Shouts out Logan. Shouts out Logan. We have a really deep conversation that night, rolling face and unable to fall asleep. And we come to the conclusion that I do need to go to rehab, not in like a dependency thing, but like, get the fuck out of here. This is your life. Like, you're going to sell this forever. Yeah. Like, you have an opportunity to work for your family. Yeah, figure things out, hit the reset button, kind of detox in a safe environment. And I know nothing. I don't have health insurance. I know nothing about, maybe I did, but either way, I paid in cash. And it was like, let's, I don't know about rehabs. I call my parents. They know none of this. They know something's up. Yeah. But they don't think I'm selling drugs and need to go to rehab. Oh, at all. Like, at all. So I call. Mom is still alive at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But she has cancer. Yeah. She just got it back. Okay. So um, I just tell them, hey, I need to go to rehab. I know it sounds crazy. And they were great, awesome parents. And they were like, okay. They found the rehab to go to. And it's funny because I paid cash and not insurance, I was like... It's very money driven. It's very money driven. So it's, oh yeah, I'm very aware. So they got my money and it was done. I didn't keep. I wasn't drug tested because drug tests cost money. But yeah. they charge the insurance. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I was an IOP. Okay. You know, intense outpatient. Yeah. So for people who are don't know, when you go to a rehab facility, um, the one I went to, there was apartments that everyone lived at. It was on property, and then you would take a bus to their center. Where you would do classes all day and do all that shit, all yeah. the rehab stuff. When you're IOP, in my case, because I paid cash, but paid to live there because I wasn't from there. Yeah, yeah. Which no one is, but I lived there, but I was IOP. So the point of IOP is you're looking for a job. You're kind of going to be transitioning into a real life, a halfway house. It was just I didn't pay enough money to get the full treatment, and I didn't have insurance to get the full treatment. Okay, yeah. So they half-assed it. Yeah, when I did – the first time I went to rehab, I was still under my dad's health insurance, and so I had the – and it was good health insurance, so I was lucky and fortunate in that way where I had, um, like – the inpatient. So it was the whole deal, you know, getting yeah. test. They give you a list of meds that you're going to take that you get tested all no the meds. time. Yeah. You get, you go through all that mm-hmm. rigmarole and then, you know, there's the whole, you know, they, the insurance company contacts them after like a certain amount of time, like, Hey, you know, is he cleared to leave? Is he not cleared to leave all that kind of stuff? But because you paid cash, it's just, this is where you live. This is where you go to the outpatient. Two classes a day, one okay. at 11 or one. Yeah. One at 11 and another one at three. And or actually one at eleven, another one at six thirty, and then you're supposed to be looking for a job and all that shit. But like, I never, I when I took my UA, my initial UA, I'm taking shit from China. So yeah. I, I didn't detox. I didn't have to anyways, because you don't detox from that. But like, I never went through all that. Like, I never got meds. Yeah, nothing like that. I just went from like there being a drug addict or selling all that shit to now I'm just in rehab. Okay. And I lived in a two-bedroom apartment where you share a room with people, like one person, yeah. and there's four people in a place. You get $75 a week per person, mm-hmm. and you can go to Publix, you get a gift card, and then the rest of your time you're getting meals uh, for breakfast, whatever. Yeah. But not me, IOP, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just going out on pass all the time, and there was all these kids. No one was really taking it 
that i mean people are taking it serious don't get me wrong but like we were smoking spice we yeah were, there's always and i've i've realized that too is that i was never going to be sober that was never my plan yeah your plan was to go get a reset it wasn't to get to to mm-hmm. be sober and i've i noticed that too is when i went to rehab there were people there who were there for exactly what you're describing like i just need a reset and then there were people there who were like no this has ruined my life like i need to stop doing mm-hmm. this and then there's People all in between. Yeah, there's people who are they their family caught them doing coke. Yeah, and, and now you have now. to go to re- yeah. yeah, and it's it's weird because coming up on my third year sober and being in and out of the program for the last decade. Congrats, dude! Three years is awesome. I appreciate it, but it's weird because like I'll be in rooms now, and I'll hear thing. You know, I shouldn't say in rooms because we don't talk about what happens in the room. Right, right. It's anonymous, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will hear people say in dealings like, oh, you know, I got to do this for my my parents or I got to do this for my Not girl or I got to do. And I'm like, like, I understand because I've been there. Like, I want I there's nothing I wanted more. You do want it in the yeah. whole world than was to get sober when I was with Alyssa, because that's my ex fiance. That's what she wanted. Yeah. And I just wanted to I wanted to be with her. There's nothing I wanted more than to be sober because when I was sober, our relationship was great, and I I couldn't I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's obviously something I wanted more, which right. was the alcohol, which mm-hmm. was for that anxiety to go away, which was for that that constant nervousness and dread of being alive to go away. And the only way I could do that was to either do drugs or drink. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people, when you talk about this, the IOP. And the reset, that's something I'm so familiar with because it's like, oh, yeah, like I never planned on. Yeah, I was. Yeah, like I was just there because I, I wanted to kind of cleanse myself. Yeah, I was always going to smoke weed. Yeah. Like, I was never not going to do that. And it's so bizarre, too, because like you at least I don't in the moment you were self-aware about it. I'm assuming like yeah. you knew when yeah, you were yeah, there yeah. because like we were just talking about like there's so many people where they're like never again, never again. And now in hindsight, with all the experience that I have, I can be like. Listen, man, I hope you're right, but experience has taught me you're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You're going to be wrong in a big, bad way. Dude, it's something like I think 3% of people at most go to rehab and stay sober. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's an absurdly small number, but it's also a small number because of what exactly you're talking about. Yeah, dude. When people go there because their parents want them to or their girlfriend yeah. wants them to or their kids want them to, then they have no intention to stay sober in the first place. Yeah, no, so that skews just... the numbers. There's... Uh, I get into this not in a bad way, but I have this discussion with people all the time about like why the numbers are so fucked because people treat it like like exactly like you're talking about, like it's a vacation spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like now I get frustrated with it because I'm like, no, I, w- I literally was dying. Yeah, dude. And now yeah. and then that's you, how things are now. Yeah. And you show up somewhere and people are like, yeah, I just wanted a little break. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, dude, a little yeah. break. Like, yeah, yeah I wish I could have had a little break. Well, now I get why I'd people... be married with kids right now if I had a little break. Dude, like I get why people didn't like me there. Like yeah. older people. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The ki- All the kids I hit it off. There weren't so many kids. It was yeah. mostly older people. And I could I would always see them hating on us. Yeah. And now I get it. Yeah. But, you know, the rehab was one thing. Um, it taught me a lot. It was great. But once I got into the halfway house. Is this still in South Florida? Yeah, yeah. This okay. is like, I graduate from rehab. I get scholarshiped. Uh, my cousin Bert has been down there forever, sober for 12 years or something. Oh, that's awesome. Really part of the community. Um, helped me get into a halfway house. Okay. Because my parents have money, but they were not um, going to pay for me to be in a halfway house. Yeah, they're not going to dish like, I've always Like, I had to get a job. I've always... I've. I've never been handed money. Yeah. Ever. Well, and that's another thing, too, is that with the, the insurance racket, the way it is, 
these halfway house because you said scholarship and just for anybody listening who's unaware of how the system works um from my experience and from your experience it's if you have health insurance you're welcome with open arms mm. um if you do not have health insurance then it's a whole other process it's 175 dollars a week i got one week free so, okay. and i did not have a job yeah. so in this week i had to find a job and then so once i had the job obviously that next week i'm not going to get paid so i owed Two for, weeks. Yeah, three three weeks. weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, it starts to add Fucking, up. Yeah. yeah. So it was 350 So I move in there. I'm doing great in there, dude. Like, I was working the program. I was always going to smoke weed. I was still smoking spice. But, like, real drugs was not going to happen. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hadn't done them yet. Molly's one thing. I never did acid to this day. Like... I just I never touched pills at that point. And it's interesting that you say real drugs because I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. But people don't. Yeah. People listening. Real drugs are the things that like we've buried friends over. When we say yeah. real drugs, we mean, you know, heroin, fentanyl, morphine. Not a fun um, time. Yeah. yeah. Not not awesome. Yeah. Not something you're doing. Uh, Even once coke, every six I would months. Cla- yeah. I would classify because that, that can get real, real, yeah, real coke spicy. Coke can get you, quick. dude. Yeah. yeah. You throw crack into it. Yeah. That's, you <laughs> Especially know. if you throw yeah. crack You throw it. crack in there and then it's the just. One time I did that, man. Woo. So fun. <laughs> it's so fun. But so it's, fun, dude. It's so bad. But, but it's, I ended up. So I got kicked out of my halfway house. And it was bullshit. But what? Okay. So it's just. Honestly, like kids got high in there. Yeah. Right. I ended up getting a job. I was doing great. Kids get high in there. They can stay. You're not allowed to have a girl in there. It's an all male halfway house. I just moved. There's three rooms. One's for your first 30 days. You're with three people in one room. Two people in one room, 30 to 60 days. Once you get from 60 to 90 or whatever, the next thing, you get your own room. I'm in second room now. Okay. I have a new house leader. I have this girl whose dad owned Palm Partners. The day I graduated, she hands me her number. She's hot, right? Yeah. She's hot. So I'm like, hey, let's hang out. What's up? So she's like, I'm at a concert. I'll come over after. I tell my house leader to be a good dude. Hey, I want to know if you're cool with this because if you're not, I won't do it. But- Talking to this girl. She wants to come over. I want to fuck her. Is that cool with you? Yeah. He says, yeah. Oh, uh, I see where this is going. Girl comes in. She's literally on top of me. We're just making out. She's been there three minutes. Knock on my door. It's the dude who owns the Halfway House, who I've built a relationship with. He's friends with my cousin. We're close, you know? Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing, dude? And I was like, are you serious? Like, did you rat out the house leader? Were you like the I, house leader ratted me out? No, but I'm saying, did you when the owner knocked on the door? Did you say, "Hey, I ran it by so and so"? They said I ended up telling him. Okay, like when we had our, <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, you're it, gonna throw me under the bus. Fuck you. It was legitimately three in the morning, so he tells the girl, "Hey, sweetie, like get out of here." <laughs> yeah, and then he goes, "Dude, it's three in the morning. You're gonna have to leave in the morning, but like go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning, and we'll pack up all your stuff and we'll figure it out. But I, I do want to talk to you in the morning." Okay, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, you're seriously going to kick me out. I don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you're in South Florida. Your whole family, your yeah, whole I don't, family is in Jacksonville. I have family down there, but now I just got kicked out of my halfway house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, So, and I could have taken a drug test and I would have passed, so I probably should have done it. But whatever. She lets me move in. That's the girl. Yeah. The owner of the, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So she lets me move the in. The fucking shit we can get ourselves into. It gets a million times. To- so I'm living with her. <laughs> Dude, it gets it gets so much gnarlier. Like so, the, you know, you make friends in rehab. <laughs> it gets so much it's worse. Way worse. This is like the best. That's the this clip. Is as, what time is it? This is as good as it gets. So like, so you she's got her own place. Obviously, own her place. Dad it's owns great. She's rehab. rich. Yeah. She's older than me. She was like twenty. I was 
just I was nineteen. Yeah. She was probably I don't know, twenty eight. Oh wow, she's so yeah. way older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was hot, dude. Like it was weird that it happened. Something's happening with your watch. Oh, it's fucking Siri recording. Oh, okay. Creepy. <laughs> Creepy. So anyways. So move in with her. She's like, Yeah, absolutely. Come stay with me at my house. But she's also like she worked at a rehab, so she's thinking, like, I can't have beer in my fridge and freaking out and all this stuff. Like, trying to, like, I never had a problem drinking. She's yeah. like, I need to take all the alcohol out of my house and being really weird, treating me like a little kid. Oh, so she said you can move in, but then she puts it on, like, total lockdown. Lockdown craziness, dude. Which is weird because in the book it even talks about, and by the book I'm referencing the big book, of Alcoholics Anonymous, but... uh in the book, it even references when you try to, I think it's page 101, if you try to shield yourself from everything. You can't put a stigma on it like that. It's, well, it's just going to make it like you're not actually recovering. You're not actually yeah, yeah. in recovery. You're just hiding it all from yourself. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so it's you're not going to get exposed. Yeah, you're, and it's not going to do anything. Like, I can be around booze all day long. Like, and you're going to have to be doing what we do. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't bother me at all because I'm in fit spiritual condition most days. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's interesting that because she works at a rehab and her dad owns the facility that as soon as you're like, I'm going to, she's like, yeah, move in. She's like treating it like it's a, a facility. It, like, it was like I was a baby and she tried to baby proof the house. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. like drug addict proof the house, alcoholic proof the house. So I hated it and I'd made friends. How long were you there? I'm so interested in this. How long? In Delray? No, no, no. How long? At so her you, house. You get kicked out. You move in with her the next day, I'm assuming. That morning, yeah. yeah. Okay, she and how and long me. are you there? I'm there for six days. Okay, not even a week. Not even, probably. I don't think it was a full week. Maybe five. Okay. And I'm working, though. I have a job. Yeah. You know? What is your job? It's- I'm working at the Seagate Hotel on Atlantic Avenue. Okay. It's that big white yeah, one. It's beautiful. One it yeah. I was working in their cafe area. It's like a barista, basically. Okay. It's cool. So you have a job. Yeah. Um, so you're living with her for five days, and you're just like, fuck this noise, I'm out. I have friends. Yeah, you, you made know? friends between... So there's these group of kids... You guys you are smoking spice with at the halfway house. Exactly, exactly. And other people I would went to Palm Partners with yeah. that I was smoking spice with as well. And there's these two... Douches. These two dudes who are masterminds, dude. They create a fake halfway house where... So... Now, I, I don't want you to get anybody in trouble. You're no, right. I'm not going to say any names. Okay, okay. Um, I... I I do remember their names, but I'm not going to say them. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, that sounds like something that a lot of people went to jail with for up here. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, I'm sure. So um, these two dudes were at a motel off Hypoluxo in a really bad area. Yeah, I know Hypoluxo. Really bad. So really scary. So they're like, I'm going and hanging out with them and stuff. Yeah. So I go to the motel. It's in one bedroom. It's them two and then probably six people who are drug addicts who are sober to their parents who live in Atlanta, Philadelphia, Jersey, all over the wow. place. Sending these two dudes money per week as if it's a halfway house. Yeah. So they're making 175 a week times 6 times yeah yeah yeah. Right? And they're paying $80. So are you living motel. are you living where? I eventually move in. Okay, so for free. Okay, so you're you're staying with the girl, you have these two buddies. After 5 days you're like, "Fuck this, I'm I out." Hate this, yeah. You go to live with them. Right. Okay. So she okay. drives me to a motel and she's like, "Are you fucking serious? Yeah. This is what you want." And her fucking S-class Mercedes. You're like, it "No, wasn't, I rather- she had it like a brand new Ford Escape." Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Like yeah. one of those. Like, I'd rather stay. I'd rather stay at this motel with eight other people. <laughs> yeah, and no car and nothing <laughs> and farther from work in the hood. Yeah, man. I know how our brains work. And I had no experience with real drugs. Yeah. Ever. So you know, like uh, Sperry, the top siders, how they've got like the weird laces. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
this is legitimately the first thing that happens to me. I walk in and this really attractive girl, Melissa, who me and her end up like talking, um, she goes, Hey, do you have like, um, like a string or anything I can, do you have something to tie off with? Cause she's just assuming that I'm a drug addict as well. Yeah. You know? So this is at the motel. Yes. Okay. I just walked in from my, I'm moving in. Hi everybody. Yeah. Hi, Melissa. I'm CJ. Yeah. Melissa, nice to meet you. Yeah. Hey, CJ. Do you have uh, anything to tie off with? Nice to meet you. Do you have anything to tie off with? And I say no. And she's like, well, can I use your shoelace? And I'm like, no. You know? What a dick. I mean, come on. You what know? an inconsiderate I'm so scared. asshole. I'm so scared. You know, I've never <laughs> seen anyone shoot up. I'm like, no. Yeah. And she gets her hot girl thing on. She's like, come on, please. I'm like, all right, whatever, bitch. So I take my shoelace off, and she she does it. And... um. That was my first time seeing someone shoot up. It would not be my last. And um, so this is at the the fake halfway house motel. Yeah, it's in a motel. God, so there's that's... a great payoff. And since you live there, you're gonna love this and appreciate it so much. Thank God. Okay, so we're staying there. They're they're renting cars, and they have a Hyundai Elantra that's old yeah. that I'm allowed to use. They like I I they knew me. Like I, I I did group with these people. They know me. So the I real quick. I just I know you. you I'm gonna let you make this point, but I just want to understand this because I think I totally get it. But just so the listeners yeah. understand, these are kids who went to a rehab. We're don't, all in rehab together. But don't do not want to be sober. They are. They don't want to be sober so much that they lied to their parents that they're staying in a halfway house when really they're just staying in this motel and to, just to basically do drugs and do whatever they want. They went and did walkthroughs on open houses and took pictures as if it was the house. Okay. But the, the, I want the audience to understand yeah, that yeah. when we talk about addiction and alcoholism and um, drug addiction and stuff, like this isn't – like we're not – like we joke about it because that's our coping mechanism is to joke but and to laugh. But it's as real as it gets. But it's just – yeah, like these kids are lying to their parents across the country. Their parents are spending so much money. And those parents are shelling out money. And I'm, I'm going to venture to say that more than one or two of these kids – have died all of them yeah like uh, the two one of the kids that was running it is dead the other one's still alive like i know that yeah if i had 15 close friends when i was in rehab there are two three that i know for sure that are, are alive oh that are alive i so, know they're all dead yeah like i i and that's i just it. want to kind of relay four that. four there's four alive out of those yeah. 15 no bullshit God, that's insane so you you go in there and it's you. You walk in. The Melissa thing happens, and then and now I get into the flow of things. Not only are these parents literally the flow of things. Yeah, dude. Hey, like there, this girl has a seizure. A bunch of crazy things happen. Yeah, yeah. Not the first night. I'm here for two months. Oh wow. Yeah, we're living in this motel for two months with a like a 15 year old kid who sells weed next door and a prostitute mom. Okay. Um. I mean, everything was as uh Hollywood. For people who haven't lived this, yeah. the idea of what you think from Basketball Diaries or something like, yeah, 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 it's gnarly. Like the girls in there, I am driving them to go to Western Union to get the money that their parents have sent, so they can go and not only pay this dude, but they're also gonna fuck him, so they can get even more. Yeah, and we're doing this every day, and I get to keep the car because I'm not doing any of this. Yeah, you're I still, still not doing. Yeah, yeah, it scares the shit out of me. So I'm not doing any of that. I'm working. I start rolling again off ecstasy because that 15-year-old kid could get the pills. Yeah. And um, no bullshit. They kept telling me, we're going to get a better place. We're going to get a pl- better place. And I'm like, look, I don't even give a fuck. I've never been somebody who cares about shit. Like, if, as long as I can sleep somewhere. Yeah. 
if anything, I'm saving so much money. Yeah, for sure. I'm and paying I, nothing. I say this all the time. Like we've we've slept on couches, floors, cars. chairs. I've slept cars. on the ground. Yeah, yeah, gra- yeah. Like outside Pri- jail cells. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like it's not. I slept on a hot tub. Yeah, like on the top thing. <laughs> for, yeah. like that was like my bed for yeah. like a while. So yeah. it's me not and Daisy. A, well, it's always funny when people are always like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, I don't have." It's like. Dude, you You're have good. a bed. Yeah. Like the, the AC's old, on? Yeah. Like the this old Fulcheron joke. Man, if I get into a bed with blankets, I'm sleeping, man. I yeah. just can't help it. It's happening. Yeah. So Fulcheron is great. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> to cap this thing off, they keep saying, you know, we're going to get a better place, blah, blah, blah. They are saving this money. They're spending it, but it's so much that you can't help but save some. Yeah, dude. And they're, those two are remaining sober. Oh, They'll, they are? They will drink, but they're not doing, like, drugs. Yeah. So... Meisner Park, you know those apartments? Oh, I know Meisner Park. Apartments. I lived on the tenth floor in those apartments. Did you really? With eight people, four Damn. bedroom. Sick. Four bedroom, eight. So people. for people that, who don't that's know, not even my... that bad. That's only like two people per room. Well, I lived perfect. in halfway houses that had like six people well, per room. We, we were like balling at this point. Yeah. Like they'd kick people that were like real issues from the motel who were like overdosing constantly. Yeah. Like, okay, you're not coming. Yeah. So we moved not in. Not kinking and expensive. Yeah. Not everybody can come, you yeah. know? So Meisner Park. This is exclusive. Yeah. Not everybody going to make the bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we go to Meisner Park. We're literally living like, there's like that club and that really nice steakhouse where there's yeah. like Lamborghinis and shit. For so, those of you who don't know, Meisner Park is a very nice, like outdoor mall, essentially. It, it's Boca it's, Raton. Yeah, it's like living in a high rise, not a high rise, but a 15 story building in the middle of the town center. Or yeah, something. it's yeah, it's it's sick. It's super nice. It, it was the nicest place I could easily ever live. And um, I just one of the kids moved in. It wasn't he was just being overly aggressive and he was like a closeted gay dude. And he was like just being overly aggressive and it was getting weird. And me and Melissa were talking and he was like, Melissa's still alive. Glad to hear it at this I, point. Yeah, she's doing great. Oh, right now she is? She's doing so good. Like, I'll show you. Yeah. She's doing so good. She is beautiful. She's married. Shouts out Melissa. She's doing great. She's totally turning around. Um, She's one of the four. So, um, it just, it got, <laughs> it got to the point where this dude, <laughs> it was real. I know it's not funny, but I can't help but laugh. You know? I mean. And for anybody who thinks I'm being, like, cold, like, fuck you. It's not that. It's dude, just, it that's my reaction. Like, the... the this was super eerie. Um, the last kid to die, like, of my close friends, you know, me and him were, like, legit best friends. Like, one of the closest people I've ever been with. Like, I love yeah. him so much. It sucks he's gone so bad. And um, we were – I'm driving through Delray. I, I had so many of my best moments with this kid ever. And we're, I got him into my halfway house, and then I got kicked out, but he got to stay. Like, yeah. I just – I loved him so much, dude. And um, we were driving – through the, I'm not with him. This is a couple of years ago. I'm going to the Keys for my ex's brother to get engaged. And it's this big secret. It's just me and him and his sister and his soon-to-be fiance. And we're driving through Delray. And I pull up Facebook and I see Rest in Peace uh, Nick. Oh, as shit. I'm like going over Linton. Yeah. Like it was like so crazy, dude. And I just – it that was the last one. Um that passed away from like that group of kids. Hopefully, no one else does because yeah. everyone seems to be like doing good. Like if but, any, if anything, it's gonna be me. But, yeah, like everyone's it's been totally doing, gonna be you. Yeah, like if if it's any, like Melissa seems to be doing great. 
Drew has like a kid and everything. Like it seems to be doing good. And everybody could be. You're faking. on your own. I'm out here, dude. Yeah, you're just out here. <laughs> I'm out here. At least we'll have this recording. Yeah, right. And uh, I'll play this. Premonition. Yeah. yeah. I'll, well, I'll play this at the, the the memorial. I'll be like, you guys, listen to this. Check this episode out of Brennan Taz of Is Your Ex Drinking Buddy. You know, it was one of the four. It's now one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> but no, finish the story about what ended up happening with the. So you like, said how the does guys, it all end? Yeah, the guys getting aggressive, starting to get weird. Like we're all partying, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously. So um, one night me and Melissa like want to be by ourselves, you know, and he won't stop like and we finally get rid of him like to the point where I drop them off on Atlantic Avenue and then me and her go and like we're going to roll on the beach and do all that stuff and uh, come back and I got to pick them up now off Atlantic Avenue from one of these fucking million clubs. Yeah. And I pick him up and he's like we get back. He's like constantly trying to like, come on, can I just like come on, like let's just have a threesome. I'm like, dude, no. Oh, uh, okay. And then, like, knocking on the door to come in. And then before I had to lock the door, coming in the room, like, just opening it. Yeah. And, like, me and her, we're rolling. Like, we're not even doing anything. Yeah. Like, we're literally just hanging out. Like, but he's people think that when you roll together, it's just, oh, we're going to fuck instantly. Like, no, you're not. You could easily not fuck. You could spend the whole night just talking. Yeah. Like, and that's what we were doing. And he became too much. One kid uh, st- didn't steal my pillow, but, like, was using my pillow and I found him like asleep, slobbering all over it. And it's like that's my one motherfucking pillow, dude. And you're like, you're, you're slobbering all over it. Yeah, man. It was just and she then, gets tight. In those and I'm living places, with drug addicts. Like I'm driving yeah. people. To, like I'm putting my life in danger for these fucks. Like you know what I mean? Like what am I doing? Yeah. Um. Why am I gonna get arrested? Because you're still not doing heroin at this point. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Like I'm only getting ecstasy every now and then, and I'm smoking weed. Yeah. And like, it's. The weed, it's this 15-year-old kid. Like, I don't have to go anywhere. Once we move into Meisner, I got to drive to him. But, like, yeah, that's so it. It's not, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's it. I'm not going and sitting for 45 minutes while this heroin dealer's Well, and that's what I was going to say, too. The caliber of weapon between a, 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 in my experience, between a weed dealer and someone dealing coke or heroin <laughs> is apples to oranges. It's night and day, dude. I mean, yeah. It's like, hey, what's up, man? Here's a little bit, you know, here's some weed and stuff. When it comes to, to harder drugs that I've done and I've bought and stuff, it's... It it can get real sketchy real quick, like people with like that's how you're gonna get arrested. Big guns, big guns, yeah. big people, big suitcase. Like it gets it's serious. Yeah, it's stuff. it's a serious business. Yeah, and it's also seriously illegal. Yeah, like yeah, like, like you're not gonna get away. When you see in the movies and they're like, "I'll die before I go back," you're dealing with those kind of people in real life. Yes, you're dealing with people like that will literally die. And also, you're dealing with people who, in no way, give a fuck about going to jail. Or they will kill you. Oh yeah, like dude. you're nobody. That's nothing. So what ends up happening with the? I, I, we keep getting sidetracked. I just Go call ahead. my dad and I say, "Hey, I'm fucking out of here." Oh, oh really? That's yeah. It? Said my time here is done. It's almost Christmas. Um, I closing came, time. Yeah, exactly. It was December. One I'd, last call. For- <laughs> it was that, dude. I I went for Thanksgiving. I had missed being home. My mom wasn't doing so good anymore. Yeah. So I just came back. You know, and okay. Um, so you originally, when did you get to Delray? Like, 2011. No, but like when August, did, August of 2011. And so I leave December. In, so August, September, October, November. So you're only there four or five months. Yeah, four months. Okay. Wait, August, September, October, November. December, five months. Five months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then it was you, like right before Christmas. Yeah, you dip out. Present. You say pops. You know things aren't working out for me here. I wish I could. You know, can I, you come pick me up? Yeah. Thinking I come, I think yeah. I come home. Yeah, and he says, "Of course, fuck yeah." You've yeah. been in treatment. You're living in a halfway house. You're obviously he thinks you're 
Doing great. The picture of sterling yeah. sobriety. And like in retrospect, compared to like how the next eight years go, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you're doing like, fucking. I'm doing great. You're like B B minus yeah. level of yeah. goodness. I, like like in this exact moment, which it's short lived. I'm doing better only because I'm so busy. If you look at it financially, it's shit like that. Yeah. But like, um, I was doing good. Like I, I, I fell into drugs. Like we started doing coke, and it was like. Is this when you moved back to? Yeah. So I moved okay. back. My friend was selling coke, and we start hanging out with different people. You know. Yeah. And coke that, crowd's a lot different than the weed crowd. And the kid that was selling the coke had his mom had a roommate who had Xanax. And she did not know the street value of Xanax, and neither did I. And she would offer me for, like, a full two-milligram school bus. Like, if I pulled her a hit from the gravity bong, she'd give me five. If what? I, sw- I swear on my life. If I gave her, like, a gram of weed, she'd give me 20. I don't know, though. Like, I don't – I was just taking that. Dude, I was going to say that. So I would take one, and I, I would feel great. I knew nothing. God, that's and so one day, much money. This was the worst moment of my life, maybe. In terms of what the consequences ended up being, I go to this house. I've known this kid forever. He's like my older brother in this weird way, and um, he he's looking for Xanax. I've got like at least a hundred something in my Jesus, car. Yeah, like I've just been. This has been going on just for months. Just getting free ones, taking taking one every now and then. Yeah, and I see this back patio of people who are all dying to get Xanax. It was like four of them, and as soon as I say that, they're like. Well, how many do you have? They bought all of them. He sold weed. He was doing, he wasn't like rich, but. Yeah. And they told me, they bought all of them for five. They told me like never sell these for less than $5 a pill. Like people will always pay. Yeah. So no matter how many you have, I sold all of them. And I was like, holy shit. I'm rich. Right. I think I kept like two for myself. Went back to Mandy, gave her some money, got a bunch, and then. Took them, started having fun. I, then I started having fun on them. Yeah. Started going out, drinking, blacking out. And then we we started doing more than she had. So we go to this other kid who had pain pills. So I would get like four t- 10 milligram Laura tabs and a couple Xanax bars. And I'd take that for a night. And I'd feel Jesus Christ, the best man. ever. And then... One of these kids ends up, I think I'm getting a Roxy. He comes back with heroin. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not shooting up. He tells me that you can actually snort it. Yes, And I was can. like, wow, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. You can actually smoke it. That's how I ended up. Like, whenever I, like, if I was going to relapse, I would smoke it. Yeah. You know, I've shot it, but. Yeah, I am. Um, um, when I, uh, obviously, with some of the injuries and stuff that I've had, I got hooked kind of bad on, um. It was just pain pills and stuff, but I mean, it's synthetic heroin. I mean, yeah, it, dude, it's the same thing. It's that all literally like, no killer thing. <laughs> yeah, like all once you break down the molecular yeah. structure, it's it pretty feels much all the, the same. same stuff. Like yeah. you're feeling the same feeling. But I, I was the same thing. I didn't know. You, I was like, why would I snort it? And then people would explain to me like, well, if you take it orally, it has to go through your liver, and then you don't get the full effect. Like you shooting, it's the best. But I was like, yeah, eh, that's scary. Let's pump the brakes. Uh, but then, you know, eventually things happen and it gets worse. But Once I started shooting up, I was, like, committed to dying. Yeah. That was, like... I think that's actually a very... I mean, it's a sad thing to say, but that's probably the best way to put it. Like, Once, when I relapsed, though, I didn't want to die. Yeah. And I didn't shoot. Because I was like, this is so scary. Well, and it's such a... um, It's also hard to do. It's it, not easy. Well, not only that, but it's just... it's It's such a mind fuck... Especially with the fentanyl now, 
like I like I said, we talked about it in another episode. Um, but with my buddy Tony, with what happened to him, it's like, dude, you've been shooting like it's, it sounds weird and calculating to say, but it's like you've been shooting heroin for a long time. Like, how did you like miscalculate it like this fucking bad? It's but like like you said, with everything they're putting in it, like it's it's one of those things where if you're gonna go so, all the way down, like I've saved a lot of people's lives, right? And there's it's literally who you're getting it from. So like everybody says that you get it from the best and blah blah yeah. blah. But like at this one time, I really did find a guy who did have probably the best that you can find. Yeah. And everyone I was giving it to, because like you meet people, you hang out with girls and stuff. I've saved three girls' lives all off of his dope. All people thinking, oh, like I would tell them, please don't. Like yeah. you don't understand. Like you cannot do what you would normally do. And they still wouldn't do what they normally would do. And they still did it. Like you don't want, like it's this weird thing. Do you want to get super cut shit or do you want to get super good shit? Yeah. It all depends on how smart you are, which I think the reason I'm still here today is from that smoking it thing. Like I've never in my life when I used to shoot, which was very short lived. I like shot for maybe like a month and a half, two months and like went to detox. And that's now like, you know, I'm on this thing. Yeah. Um, But like, I don't know. Well, cause when I first met you, I kind of want to bring it full circle. When I first met you at CBD, this was something that we obviously bonded over because you had put together a little bit of sobriety or, you know, clean time. And I obviously had been sober for a few years. So we kind of bonded over this. And then I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but then I relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. You vanished. You were like gone for a little while. And it was something that. I know we a lot of times on the show we'll have like dumb stories or fun stories and stuff, and this is it's I I enjoy having episodes like this as well because it's not like talking about some of the 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 experiences is not it's not always fun. Like I understand yeah, yeah. we both do comedy, but yeah. people who, most people who get into comedy don't do it because they're on like a winning hot streak. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Normally you're broken in some yeah. form or it's fashion. It's a weird thing to want that. Yeah. To want to be up there, and that's, like, where you're at your favorite. Like, that's my best place in life is when I'm on stage. Yeah, me too. It's, a dark, it's like, a weird thing to think about mentally. Like, the type of person that that's what they strive for is to be on stage. Yeah, and I, I my whole goal, like we talked about earlier, is to have these horrific things that have happened and make you laugh about it. Yeah. Because then it, what it really does, what it really shows people is that if you can sit here... And we can talk about the fact that only four people are left out of the 15 you knew when you first went to rehab or, and things like that. But we can talk about that openly. And to us, we automatically, our go-to knee-jerk reaction is to try and find the humor in that. Then people can realize like, hey man, being a little short on rent this month isn't as bad as burying 11 people <laughs> in the course of five years. Yeah, like. Dude. And that's what I, I hope to bring either with, the, with this podcast and with my standup is that, you know, whatever you're going through, like, I feel you mm-hmm. and it's going to be OK. Like, we're going to we'll get through it. it also, we're going to die trying. It like makes it OK for us in a way like to flush something out, Excuse me, to flush something out like that. Like, OK, uh, I'm going to say this dark thing that happened to me um, and I'm getting. I think it's funny. It it makes me feel better 
went that to think of it this way. Yeah. And then when you get the laughs from it and it does pay off, Dude, it's, it's like best. validating that it is okay to feel that way about it. Yeah. Like there's some things that uh, I think about and I'm like, wow, that am I a fucked up person for feeling that way about it? Like, am I a fucked up person for feeling like, wow, like the statute of limitations on my dad thing. Like that was a true feeling. Like yeah. now things are great because of me not leaving him though. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Oh no, I understand. I could like we could easily not talk, and he'd be cool with that. Like it's me doing it. Yeah, and he's great. And if he was listening to this, which maybe, probably not. If he was listening to it, he would completely disagree. But I, I just there's there's so many things that he said along the lines of like, I do not ever want you to be in my life again. And unless I made the effort and came back, I would not be in his life. Yeah. So like, with that comes wanting this person not to be in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for sure. when that's the relationship you have with your dad, you don't want them to be in your life and you fucking hate them in moments. And that was bred out of that. Yeah. So when I go up on stage now, I don't feel that way at all. I love my dad so much. I work with him. I play golf with him. I love him. Like he's my best friend. But when I was feeling that way about him and I tell these jokes now, it makes me realize, oh, it's okay that I did feel that way. Yeah. Like, well, and that's exactly the, the you know? point. Like there, there are things I talk about. You know, I have the whole bit about um, it's weird because I have that the bit about Jordan who died from a heroin overdose. Right. That's you such know, a good joke, dude. You know the joke. Um, and sometimes a lot of times people laugh at it because it is dark and twisted. But at the same time, there there's people who pull back mm-hmm. and I completely understand why they would. But what I try to convey to people is like, like this happened. Like there's no. Like, by me not saying it doesn't make it not so. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened. I, in my brain, the way my brain works, I found this something amusing about the fact the way things played out chronologically the way they did. I found that to be funny and ironic. And also not like that we're trying to change the world and be these revolutionary thinkers that bring attention to all these different things. Yeah, like it's all been said before. You're bringing attention to the fact that there is an opioid epidemic going on and she died Yeah, because of it. Yeah, exactly. Because she's a heroin addict. Not, it's so funny, it's, hey, she, this did happen. That's exactly, I guess that's the best way to put it, is it's not, oh my God, it's so funny that she's dead. It's, oh my God, can you believe the timing of when she yeah, died? Yeah, it's terrible. but It's terrible, but it's also kind of hilarious. Right. It's, it's a way of bringing uh, light to it without being so fucking boring and presenting it as this... TED Talk. Yeah, this public service announcement. Dude. Yeah, and when people get mad at me, I go, listen, there's nobody else in the world that is still talking. I mean, I shouldn't say in the world. She has a family, but there's like... Right. like I'm, <laughs> But I'm still <laughs> like I still bring her up. Like she will live. The ancient Greeks believed you were immortal if people remembered you. That so is so dark. Immortality comes from being remembered. So technically, she's gonna live forever as it long as I keep telling me. this joke. Dude, if it wasn't for you, she'd just be some. She'd statistic. be a distant memory. <laughs> she'd be nothing. At least now she's a punchline. Ah, uh, but I have to edit all this out. God damn it. Yeah, they're not gonna like that. But hey. I, I mean, I think I'd keep it. No, I, I don't edit anything. The only thing I edit is when I retell stories I've told a million times. Yeah, and even then, I feel you. I, I Me and Josh used to talk about that all the time. Me and Josh would do a podcast together. He'd always be like, hey, you, we've talked about that or whatever. And like, well, I get it. 
But my, like, my one, biggest... I'm going to talk about it different to someone else who's listening. Yeah, well, and my biggest thing, too, is that, like, I have different guests on every week. It's cool, though, that you're not stopping it. You go back and edit it. Yeah. To, in the moment, stop conversation is the dumbest thing to do if you're hosting a podcast. No, so... Let what, it happen, edit it later. Yeah, what I'll do is, like, I'll have people on, and sometimes they'll... Because, you know, some people I have on, we're not... St- friends like they just you know i want them on the podcast yeah. so i ask them to, like i know who they are or you know they they ask to be on the podcast or whatever but they'll say something and i'm like holy shit that's just like this and i will tell the story because it's a great way to relate to the the guest mm-hmm. but as far as the listeners they're probably like dude brennan we've heard this fucking story 19 fucking times i agree with you so then <laughs> so then what I'll do is I use it as a mechanism to to relate to the guests so they can feel more comfortable. And so they understand like, hey, we're talking about the same thing here. Mm-hmm. But then I'll go back through and I'll edit it out so the listeners don't have to yeah. hear it again. Literally, the point of podcasting is do whatever the fuck you think. Yeah. And I never did that just because Joe Rogan's got the biggest podcast in the world. Um, he talks about so much of the same shit over and over. Yeah. You hear him say literally the exact same things. Does it bother me? Yes. I don't really listen to him as much as I used to. But... I remember when I was listening to him all the time, I I would just hear him talking about it and be like, whatever. Yeah. And then just keep listening. It never stopped me from listening. Yeah. That's not to say it doesn't stop people, though. People are No, that's true. Okay, very people, particular. There's, there are so many podcasts out there that people could just be like, nope, didn't like that episode. I'll never listen to it again. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, I guess we just lost that person. Over. But um, I, did, uh, I do appreciate you coming on and being so candid. Do you want to... We're coming up to that time. Do you want to get into... Whatever you want. The X thing, or do you want to save that for next time? I mean, I don't care. We can save it. save it for next time. Okay. Keep them guessing. Keep them guessing. Got it. Well, because I just have a feeling that's going to... It could be easily a, be so long, yeah. Yeah, especially with my history. That's of my what I'm head. saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why I wanted to talk about it, because you're the only person that, like, when you do that martyr thing, like, okay. That, oh, yeah. I, Me, personally, I love that joke so fucking much, dude. It's one of my best jokes. I, feel, I love that I joke. I feel you, dude. Like... That when you first the first time I heard you say that I fucking died and it was this weird thing where I like I looked there's these weird moments where you know you, like you're gonna you need to, you have like the inner dialogue oh yeah I told myself I was like Jesus Christ it's like I've ne- that's like exactly how I feel yeah like, that was see really, boom so yeah. it works you nailed it yeah nailed it but then when I when I do that bit in a, a room full of well adjusted normal people they're always like get this guy off stage it's, this is terrible. <laughs> Not the audience. Fuck Not, yeah, don't need everybody, baby. Yeah. Shouts out Kyle Kinane. Um, Thank anyway, you, dude. Thank you. Of course. Plug everything one more time. Uh, Instagram. Let, it, let them know where they can find you. It is at CJ Couch Talk. C is in Christ. J is in Jesus. C is in Christ. O is in Ostrich. C is in Uranium. C is in Christ. H is in Horses. C is in Tantalizing. A is in Assholes. And Labia K is in Kaboom. It's so fucking easy. It's CJ Couch Talk. You can follow me there. Uh, the podcast is coming back. I have a feeling back. you've done that before. I used to do it on every episode all the time. Really? Yeah, it's a couchy thing. Um, thank you so much, Brandon. I love you. You're I great. love you too, buddy. Um, Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast, please. Uh, I actually have some merch coming up. Finally mm. bought some merch, um, so that'll be on the website. BrennanTComedy.com is where you can find all the upcoming dates. Uh, follow me on all social media at BrennanTComedy. You can always uh, check me out here or check out my other podcast where me and the very talented Joe Dorville talk sports. That's called Cheers from the Press Box. Thank you again, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.